Well, in a moment, we're going to continue our God, Money, and Me series. I'm going to be joined by um, a few guests that are going to come and join me this morning on the platform. But church, I just wanted to say thank you this morning for the gift and for honoring Amy and I and, um, and remembering that it, it's been one year and, and that time has gone so quick. And uh, I just wanted to, to honor a few people today. I just want to honor the, the leaders and the pastors that have gone before us. There are some weights and some perspectives you haven't felt and you haven't seen until you've been in that position. And I just want to honor some of those incredible leaders that have gone before us that we stand upon today, their sacrifice and their hard work we, uh, we have the benefit of today. And so we honor God for them and honor, honor God for all those that have done that. All the volunteers and leaders, every person that has, has helped push forward City Church over this last year, and just every member of the church who has lent into us. But uh, mostly I just want to honor my wife and my incredible kids who uh, are amazing and they've just adapted to it. And I just think Amy has walked with a stride of humility and confidence in these extra responsibilities that she carries. And uh, I want to honor her and my kids who uh, I will never want to sacrifice my kids on the altar of ministry. And uh, together we do this as a family. And I tell you what, we are enjoying the journey. We love it. We love being your leaders and being your pastors. And we love this opportunity and this honor that we've been given. And I just love doing it as a church. And so mostly we just honor God together. And I just believe the best days are ahead for City Church. We're just getting started. God's doing some incredible things. And I'm looking forward to it. So this month is Strengthening Home Month in the life of City Church. And our prayer and our desire is that it isn't just about strengthening home here. Although it is, we are receiving a strengthening home offering and we are all about uh, making sure home here is strong where we can upgrade our sound system and do some things that we practically need to do there so that we can be strong and sow a seed into the future for the generations to come. It is about doing that. It is all about every one of us playing our part and sacrificing towards the future so that we can see home be strong. But our prayer and our hope also is that we would see your home be strong, your personal home be strong, your family, where you live and your resources to be strong so that you can be a blessing in your life. And so we really wanted to take this month, not just to be able to receive an offering for here and focus on the church here, but be able to really invest in you. And so we've been doing the series called God, Money and Me. And we've had some books that we've given out towards um, people that are able to, to read as a family and be blessed in that way. I believe there is a few that are available that are left that you can pick up if you want to grab one of those books today from the information deck. First in, first served, because we will run out again. But we just wanted to gift that to you. We want to invest into you. And so we're doing this five-week series called God, Money, and Me, because we really want to see you have a financial pathway to freedom. I don't want to see money be a hold and, and, and have a, such a grasp on our lives that we can't live the free life that God has called us to live. And so today, we are talking about money's spirit. And we, last week, we talked about some money myths, and today we're talking about money's spirit. And so I just want to read a passage just to, uh, I guess, formulate today, and then we're going to ask a few questions. It says this, suppose, James chapter 2, verse 2, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? It's funny how money can do that to us. Money can cause us to have 
evil motives. Money can affect our emotions. Money can affect our choices and our actions. Money has this incredible ability to be able to impact areas of our life that otherwise wouldn't have happened, but we can get this desire for money that can push forward our motives. And I don't know about you, but I don't want money to be in the driver's seat of my life. I want it to be something that is a slave to making sure that Jesus Christ is above and he's at the head. And so I want my life to be coming out of that place. And so I just wanted to ask a few questions this morning to Tim, who's obviously our incredible services pastor, looks after worship as well and has an incredible business, TC Installs. There's a plug for him. Uh, Kathy, who is obviously, uh, Kathy and Clive are an incredible part of our church. And uh, Kathy has served in many teams over this church for many years. And they've got a great story of God's provision in their life financially as well and how they've stepped out in faith. And so I just wanted to ask these guys this morning some questions about the whole idea of stress when it comes to money. Have you ever been stressed by money? Absolutely. Talk to us about it. What's some illustrations and some stories that have really stressed you about money? Um, When Lincoln was born, so that's nearly six years ago, um, my circumstances at church changed a little bit and I was um, was part-time. And then um, I decided to start a business. Actually, Bruce Robinson prophesied. He said, you've got a business in you. And I was like, I'm not a business person, but he said, it's in you. And so I started my business and um, part-time here, Al was not working because we had a new baby. And uh, I think the first year I made about $14,000 in my business um, trying to have a house, a mortgage, a kid. Um, Al wasn't working and that was probably the most stressful season of our life. Um, We had a credit card bill of like over $10,000 in that year just because we were trying to live. And um, that was probably the most stressful time of of my money like in my life with money, most stressful. We had a particularly stressful season when we moved back from New Zealand and we came at the end of 99 with four young children, um, age five to just starting high school. Um, Clive had a teaching position at Nepean Christian School four days a week and I was a full-time mum. So we were on a single, not full-time wage, paying, paying private education and that was, things were very tight. And I remember times of like going to the letterbox when bills used to come in the mail, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, seeing a power bill and thinking, oh no, oh no, 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 you know, and literally, you know, heart beating, thinking, How's, I hope this is not more than what we expect. And uh, going to grocery shopping, and obviously we had a budget, we had a, you know, very tight budget, and actually making note and doing the maths as I'm going around adding up how much I'm spending and getting to the checkout thinking, I hope my maths was right. And yeah, very stressful time. Absolutely. So talk to us about, we've all encountered stress. Every one of us, whether you've got little or you've got a lot of money, it can cause incredible amounts of stress. What are some ways that you've helped overcome that stress in your own life, in your own family, some things you put in place to try and help you to be able to kind of break out of that so that you make sure that you don't allow stress to be absorbing every part of your life because of money. Yeah, I remember in that season for me, I literally went out and cried in the front yard. <laughs> I literally, I, was, I hate debt, I hate credit card debt and the, to God's glory today, I, don't, I haven't had a credit card for years now um, and I can run my business without one so I'm very blessed in that sense but um, I, I literally went out in the front and cried out to God. 
I said, God, I just I can't do this. Like this is just crazy. New baby, house, mortgage, bills, just racking up, racking up, racking up, trying to get a business going. And I was just in tears in the front yard. And um, that's how I literally. That's the only way I could do it was just to cry it to God. And like we've been singing this morning, he was by. He's by your side, eh? Even in the valleys. And so that was a valley. And he was there by my side. And um, yeah, so I think that's how I dealt with it. I just prayed, I worshipped, and cried. (laughs) I love it. I would say all of the above, like Tim. Um, Also, practical sense. Clive and I sat down and we worked out a budget. And uh, and we endeavoured to stick to that budget. And we would... um, yeah, when stuff came in that was unexpected, we would pray together. And, you know, many times I thought, oh, should I just go and get a job, you know, check out or something? And God would always say to me, know that verse in Matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be given. Keep drawing me back, okay, going to believe that, going to believe that. Another favorite verse was in the Psalms, it says... Once I was young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And we always had food, and we always paid our bills on time, and God is faithful. And he's certainly taken me on a journey. And um, I would say one of the things, Ben, to, to getting free of that is actually asking God to show you what your underlying mindset is towards wealth and money and possessions. Because growing up, we all have stuff that form our life values. And for me, um, growing up on a farm, my dad worked really hard. My mum managed our finance really well, carefully. I was the youngest of four girls, so I'd get the hand-me-down clothes. And I, but I grew up thinking, there's only just enough and you have to manage it really carefully. And what that does is actually creates a lot of fear. Um, you know, fear of lack, because I'm going to run out. You know, what ha- what will I do when I run out? And so it's only as God began to reveal that underlying mindset, which is actually a lie. What lie am I believing? Because Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. So we have to, to the degree that I really know truth, not just up here, but really know and experience it, will be the degree that I walk in freedom in finance. So for me, it's been a journey, but it just gets better and better. I love that. And I think that our, our childhood and the impact that we've had at that young age, it really does have an does. effect. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, you guys the question, have you ever had a challenge where you've had to sacrifice the security of money for doing what God has called you to do and being in a season like that. And, and maybe tell us a bit how, how that outworked in your life as well. Yeah, um, when I was a lot younger, I had a dream about going to ministry and um, people in the church used to tell me, you need a career. You know, you're not going to have a family. You're not going to have um, a big house. You're not going to have any of that unless you have a career. And so, But God said to me, I want you to go into ministry. And so I remember making a decision then what do I do? Do I chase a career? Um, where, by the way, ministry can be a career and God can look after you, by the way, yeah. living through it. Um, so I had a choice. Do I chase God's plan for my life in ministry or do I go down the path of getting a, a really high-paying job as what people used to tell me? And I chose to go after God. And um, it doesn't mean it's easier. It just means that like, I had to make that choice. Mm. Was it going to be money? that I was chasing and have a big house, big car, da 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 or was I going to chase after God's call? And I chose God's call, and I feel like that was a tough decision as a young guy because a lot of your friends are getting good jobs. A lot of your yeah. friends are going out and yeah. going to uni and getting really high-paid jobs, and I wasn't. I was at church. 
And some people looked at that as that's a poor thing. You know, pastors are poor, you're going to be poor, da-da-da-da. And I, I can testify today that it's not true, that God can look after pastors and people who chase after ministry. So if God's got that call on your life, go for it. Because I haven't got any regrets yeah. at all. That's brilliant. What about you, Kathy? Yeah, um, I would say probably most, well, pretty well all our married life, there has been that, that tension, if you like, of between following the call of God and not going the way of the world and the way of, of you know, gathering stuff. Um, 1984, we followed God's call to go to Bible college in New Zealand. We'd, just, we'd been married a year, we'd got some land, we were going to build a house on a land, going to have this wonderful lifestyle, and nope. God said over here. So we did that. Um, uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thought we we're going for a year. End up staying 17 years. Four kids later, you know, back to Australia. Um, yeah, but many times, as I even mentioned before, uh, saying, God, should I just go out and get some, you know, another job? But no, seek the kingdom because it all, if I spend time doing that, then I have less time for doing what God has called me to do. And... Um, but God is so good. So now, like 20 years, almost 20 years since being back from New Zealand, starting again at square one, we are now in a position where um, we are able to actually help our children get into property and where we are actually able to sponsor children through compassion. You know? And so God is so good. When you're faithful with the little, he will entrust you with more. And it doesn't immediately happen overnight. But as Ben been saying, you know, over a period of time, yeah, so good. I love your story. 1999, arriving back here in Australia, four kids, and thinking to yourself, how are we ever going to get a house? And now, look at it, you know, 20 years on, in that position to be able to help the next generation come through with your kids. And I just think, that's amazing. That's what it's about. And every one of us are impacted by money, whether you're young or older in here today. We are all affected by money. So just finally this morning as we wrap up, what's some last advice you would give when it comes to money, when it comes to wrestling with that tension of money and making sure that you put God in the top priority? What's, what's some last advice you'd give to us? Um, I would say that if you, like I was talking about ministry before, but maybe you're called to make money um, in the out, outside of the church and there's nothing wrong with that. I think um, having a lot of money is not evil. It's the, what you do with it and it's your heart behind it. So how does, how's your heart going to be? I, I, I think for me, if you have a heart, a good wraparound with money when you have little, you'll have a good wraparound when you have a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so um, be faithful with tithing when you have nothing. Yeah. Um, I remember when in that season of having a huge credit card debt, we still tithed. Mm. It would have been so easy for us to be like, nah, we'll budget that out, we'll budget that out. Mm. Um, that's what the world, that's what practical budgeting people would say. Um, and when you go see an accountant, they look at that and go, oh, get rid of that, mm. get rid of that. But we didn't. And I think there's some important things you can put into place. It doesn't matter if you've got a million dollars or a hundred dollars. Mm. It's the practical God thing and how you see money in a God aspect. I think that's the key. So advice is ministry, work, whatever you're doing, business, go for it. Earn money. Do it. God's um, a call people to earn a lot of money, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with money, having a lot of it either. But how's your heart behind that? Yeah. Are you still going to honour God with it? I think that's the key. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's all about the heart. You know, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And it's really the more I learn to position myself in God... And realize he is my provider. He is everything I want. He is everything I need. 
And then that I am just the vehicle to allow that flow to go through. He's promised to supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. We sang about it today. It's a, it's a never-ending supply. Mm. It's a, like a mighty river that just doesn't, doesn't end. And so as I position myself and keep looking to God, and then when he says, give to that, give to that, that I obey that, because that gets the flow going. When Jesus said there's more blessing in giving than in receiving, that's how we enter into the more blessing by actually giving. Mm. Then we position ourselves. So, and yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. I love living in the overflow. Fantastic. That's great. Would you thank these guys? They've done an incredible job today. Amazing. Well, get ready to tune into the screens because we want to watch part two from Paul de Jong of Money's Spirit. Let's look to the screens. Well, we're underway and it's so great, I think, as we come together and really find God's answers on how to create financial freedom. As uh, we've already seen, God has an answer and God is committed to giving us a full understanding. In part two, like each one of the five sections, you know, they're designed and I'm committed to help us all uncover a deeper insight of how money works and how we can find the breakthrough. Many of these thoughts come from God's word that I was never taught in church. I was never in a place, even though having fully committed my life to Christ in a Christian family, nobody ever told me. And my goal is that God will use today to unlock your financial future. So I think it'll be great. Come on, let's commit to asking for God's help. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the El Shaddai God. You're the God that has so much more. When you created man, you blessed them. You told them to go and take dominion, to be fruitful and to multiply. We ask again today that the things that are barriers in our thinking to your word, that God, you'll expose those, that you'll challenge us to continue to lean into you, to believe for financial breakthrough in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think it's true. All of us have heard about people that get upset when we, the church, talk about money. But as I mentioned last time or in the first section, you know, the trouble with the church is that we do talk about giving almost all of the time, but we don't teach on money. And so we get a skewed idea about how our financial worlds should really work. And wherever you find yourself, you know, maybe you are negotiating lack right now or you find yourself with financial abundance and you feel secure by that. Never forget, all of our human hearts are vulnerable. I was talking to someone years and years ago about, uh, you know, do you want God to bless your finances? And they said to me, well, not really. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, we're doing well. We're financially secure. We've been blessed. We've got all we need. I left that conversation. And again, it was a learning point. I felt like God, just show me. Actually, if you don't have a kingdom spirit, you'll be happy with breakthrough. But when you have a kingdom spirit, no matter where you get to when it comes to resources, you want to believe for more. Why? Because it's beyond you that the kingdom exists. 
That's why the enemy doesn't want us to break through and create not just a breakthrough in our material world for ourselves, but to set up the generations that follow us. You know, everything around us needs God's blessing. And I think we need to understand how God works. I want to begin today out of Matthew chapter 6. It's a very common verse, but let's look at it together. You know, Jesus said this, make sure do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because on earth moth and rust will destroy and ultimately thieves will break through and steal. But lay yourselves or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven because in heaven, the moth, the rust or thieves will not destroy. But then classically this verse, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You know, sometimes I think we don't look at the whole passage. In other words, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Where you locate treasure, your heart will follow. Think about that. We've looked at some of the money myths. Today, I want to talk about money spirit. Again, never taught in the church that money obtains a spirit. I thought it was just paper. Paper that had material value. Paper with serial numbers. In fact, if it doesn't have a serial number, it's worth nothing. But that's all I thought it was. But when I began to discover that God's word says, no, this has power because actually it attracts a spirit. Man, it woke me up. Proverbs 22 and verse 7 says that the rich or those that break through material things have the ability to rule over the poor. And yet the borrower or those that don't break through will always be servant to the lender. But I think it's deeper than that. It is that, but it's like what dominates us? For many of us, you know, this would raise a question. Could it be that money is dominating us? That actually it's not just money or material possessions, there's a spirit behind it. I think we've already established that the Bible teaches money's not bad, Prosperity is not bad because true prosperity is always about the others it can release. Actually, but it changes the moment it touches our hand. We're going to look at that because the moment I receive material increase and it touches my hand, it gains one of two spirits. It either has God's sovereignty and blessing or it allows the enemy to take a direction in my life. As I said, I was taught generosity. Nobody ever taught me that money gains a spirit, and that spirit's name is mammon. Man, you may be shocked when I throw this out to you, and I want you to talk about it and think about it, but I personally believe that the greater percentages of Christians or people in church today are dominated by the influence of mammon. In fact, There is a vast difference between you having money and money having you. I thought about mammon as I began to study it. This is what I came up with, that mammon is where money, once received, remains unsurrendered, and then it is empowered to draw you away. Let me say that again. Mammon is unsurrendered money empowered to draw you away. Let's go to Luke chapter 16. And uh, we're going to go on and read verse 10 and verse 11. 
It says this, Jesus speaking, he says, the one who is faithful in what is least will live a life that is faithful in much. However, the one who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you and I have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who would commit to your trust true riches? God is literally saying some pretty big things here. I believe that God is saying, do you realize that money, when it touches your hand, is a divine testing ground? It's not just a commodity that we can buy things with or create material security. No, it's the test that God uses to decide what eternal things we're ready for. Wow. That's why the enemy also knows if we get money right, God's authority is released. If we get it wrong, he has the authority. Mammon is literally that authority. See, priorities determine authorities. Think about that. If you give God the priority over your soul world, you'll find an authority in your soul world. If you give God priority over your spiritual man, you'll have authority in the spiritual realm. If you give God priority over your money or material world, he'll gain authority. The enemy doesn't want that to happen. I actually think that's why there is so much contention around money. Because the enemy understands what we, the church, don't understand. The enemy understands that we can release more of God's kingdom here on earth. We will be recipients of more spiritual breakthrough, of eternal riches when we get the money thing sorted out. Verse 12 of Luke 16. If you or I have not been faithful in what is another man's, who would give us our own? Man, verse 13 This is so, so impacting. In fact, when I began to study this years and years ago, man, was I challenged by it. Because Jesus said in verse 13, no servant, not some, no servant can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other. You will end up being loyal to one and despising the other. Now note this last line. You cannot, it's an emphatic word, serve God in mammon. You cannot serve God in your material world when mammon rules your material world. And the enemy seeks for all of us to weaken believers by living with divided loyalties. That's why I say you can actually be somebody that is quite generous, but you don't live a life where mammon has broken off your money and the enemy mammon rules your material world. I think it has sidelined so many people. It doesn't happen overnight. Even generous people, as I said, because true financial freedom can only take place and go generationally when God has given the authority in our financial world. We have to live God's way. I want to talk about this thought that money has a spirit and that spirit is mammon. Here's the first thought. Mammon's device is deception. When you begin to study mammon, that actually we can't serve God and mammon, it's going to deceive us. By the way, you don't know you're deceived if you're deceived. But here's some thoughts and some great topics to talk through. Ask yourself, as I've done, what and then ultimately who is directing your major life decisions? That's a big one. 
In other words, if material things or money is what is making your big decisions in life, money, the what, has become a who. It's God or it's mammon. In fact, mammon begins with partial and then works towards ultimate control. And that's why even today, you know, as a pastor in a church, we, we want to see God's kingdom touch this globe. But there are so many people that are believers in God and maybe even regularly in church. But you go, God, why don't they get fully consumed with building the kingdom? And it's because you're either serving God or you're serving mammon. Even though you may be regular in church, you may sing worship songs, you may even read the Bible. This is how big a deal it is. Mammon is a spirit. And once it gains authority, it's empowered to draw you away. And it'll use deception. That's why I think it's worth just stopping and thinking about that. Is it money that decides where I live? What church I go to? Is it money that decides my career? Is it money? Because money shouldn't be making those decisions. God should be. Here's a second thought about money. Do you know that mammon's deception is control? So its device is deception, but its deception is to ultimately control you. And it will begin with insignificant things. It's kind of like, you know, I've been blessed and man, I, you know, God blessed me financially. I was praying for that. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to establish God's sovereignty over that? We're going to look at that in the next section. But often it'll begin with small things, insignificant things. Why? Because that's how deception works. Deception is exactly that. Sounds like, you know, when I or then I'll. No, it's the kind of things that God wants us to realize. Hey, when money touches your hand, a decision needs to be made. In fact, I think the enemy ultimately for all of us wants money and possessions which are his domain to become our source. And if we don't deal with money spirit, I don't think we can release the significance of money, which is to create a financial future that lays a foundation for our children's children. Our financial and our material world operates either in surrendered and given to God or unsurrendered position, which is the authority of mammon. Mammon's device is deception. This is big, big, big thoughts. And mammon's deception is ultimately the control of you in your future. The third thing about mammon is this, is that mammon's goal is worship. Uh, people sometimes feel a little surprised when I say, you know, worship is far more than a song on Sunday. Actually, true worship is about who we position in the place of our ultimate authority in every place of our lives, spiritually, in the areas of our thinking, and even in our material world. I think most of us would be aware that Satan was an angel. He was an archangel and that he fell with one reason, that he desired the place of worship. He's never changed. The thing is, he doesn't come out in bright lights and say, worship me. No, he uses money and he puts the spirit of mammon on it so that we'll ultimately worship it. Remember, like I said, mammon is unsurrendered money. Once it's surrendered, it's holy. It's prosperous. It can change lives. But mammon's not like that. It's unsurrendered money that is empowered to draw us away. Uh, a long time ago, Marie and I were in Sydney. Marie came from Australia. We had three boys under five. 
And uh, literally it happened like this. We were in New Zealand for a holiday. That was the place of my birth. And I felt like God just tapped me on the shoulder. And for three nights, I couldn't sleep. And I felt like God say, would you come back to New Zealand? And uh, would you, as a family, give your lives to starting a church that would fulfill the purposes of my heart in that city and nation? And it's kind of like we felt we we didn't have a lot to offer. I didn't feel I was that kind of person. I was a yes person for God. But, you know, in Sydney, I had been there 10 years. We got married there. Our three boys were born there. And right now, God, I don't feel I can do it. And three kids under five and God, even financially, how would we do it? We only own a car that is worth 4,000. We have no money in the bank. And yet God said, would you do it? You know, right then I had to make a decision. Marie had to make a decision. Were we going to be obedient to God or were we going to allow our natural circumstances to rule? I'm not judging, but I think so often people are making major decisions based on money. What I'm wanting you to understand is if money is making your decisions, mammon is in the place of authority. It's device is deception. It's deception is to control you ultimately and it seeks your worship. And I think that's the challenge is that This control deal, remember Luke 16 verse 13 says, no one, doesn't matter how much Bible theology you have, doesn't matter where you, you may be the pastor of a church, it doesn't matter what you've done to this point, no one can serve two masters. And the challenges that you'll end up, you say, I'd never do that. You'll end up hating one and loving the other, being loyal to one or despising the other. And as I said, the enemy wants to use divided loyalties so that we don't get the breakthrough that God's promised. But the one that is faithful in least will be faithful in much. That's the promise. But if we don't deal with the little things and deal with it properly, we'll never get the breakthrough. Uh, In our next section on this God, money and me curriculum, you know, we're going to talk about how we get God's sovereignty over our money. But even before we go there, I just want to take a moment because I think it ties in to talk about three key things that actually cause us to struggle financially. Because when you understand that mammon wants to control you and wants to deceive you and ultimately wants to take the decisions over your life, practically, what do we do? That's why I said at the start, often we talk about giving, but we don't talk practically about how to deal with money strongly. I think one of the things we can fall into, which is a trap, is this thought. When we accommodate what I call destructive debt. In other words, we feel like we need to have what other people have because that's the world we live in. And I think there is some weird teaching in the church. Some teaching says it's wrong to go into debt at all. I'm not sure that I believe that based on God's word. But what I would say is that If right now debt is making your major decisions, then debt has accessed the place of authority. Whatever it is that makes major decisions over your life, it has to be God-based. And right now, some of us have made unwise decisions and we've gone into debt for things that depreciate. And now we're in a place where we can't make the decision God wants us to make. Uh, Often talking to younger people, it's kind of like, I need the latest gadget or the latest TV, the latest phone, or, you know, we need to do this because our neighbors are doing that, or I want to do that. It's like, hey, hey, hang on. Don't go into debt for things that depreciate. 
Because if you find yourself under debt's influence and controls your decisions, it's got your authority. I think another one would be this. Some people don't break through financially because they don't embrace a strong work ethic. (laughs) You know, this is where it's maybe going to get quiet in the room. But did you realize you can work a lot harder than you think you can? A lot of times it's kind of like we want God just to break through financially. And uh, I think one of the answers to getting a financial future in our today is to make sure we're doing the work for the kind of breakthrough we want. James talks a lot about that. Uh, James chapter two, it says, what does it profit a man if somebody says they've got faith but doesn't have works? In other words, it goes on to say that we need to have faith and our applications and financial futures are wrapped around key principles. And we'll be looking at four of these principles throughout our teaching. But uh, again, let's go to Proverbs 22 in verse nine, which says this, we are told Do you see a man who excels in his work? That man will stand before kings. In other words, I just want to encourage you. Be somebody that commits yourself to the things that are naturally with a I can do attitude. I'll work hard attitude. Don't allow debt to rule. And make sure, very simply, you've got a strong work ethic. Are you first to work if you're employed by a boss? You're pretty much last to leave. Are you the one that goes the extra mile? In that kind of spirit, you're getting the right kind of foundational stones in place to create a financial future. I think we've touched on this, but the third one I would say is also is if we fail to implement financial accountability, uh, I'm not sure we're going to make the changes. Why? As we've seen, money and mammon has got deep root systems. You don't just pull them out by putting your hand in the garden and say, I'll deal with that. No, you've got to get the root system out. Here's a great thought. Well, I think it is anyway. Good decisions are managed decisions. In other words, I need to have help. I need people in my life that can help me in the areas that I'm struggling in. And every important area in our life, we need good people who have broken through to speak into it. And it's the same with our finances. In fact, Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. I think sometimes we blame the devil for a lack of unwise living. In section one, we looked at money's myths. And today we're talking about money's spirit. You know, next week, I encourage you to make sure you've read section three, because we're going to look at the first of four ingredients that will help you create a foundation to financial freedom. And we're going to deal with this thought of money's test. But I'd like you today to think about Every time money or the material world intersects your life, it gains one of two spirits. You've got to decide, am I going to go God's way? Because a decision not to go God's way, mammon doesn't ask for permission. It's a spirit that attaches itself to your material world. The good news is God is with us. He's for us. And we have the answers completely contained in His Word. Did you enjoy that today? It's good, isn't it? It's great teaching, and I'm looking really, really looking forward to next week. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, 
received a book. We have, I think there's another five books that are available out in the information desk. We're just giving them out for free. And so first people there will get a book, but go and grab one of those. If not, if you don't get one today, you can buy it on Kindle. I believe it's like $11 to be able to buy it on Kindle. Uh, But I encourage you, get these into your hands. Through our our connect groups over this next few months, we're doing this uh, series as well. And we're trying to encourage people because we want this to go deep in our heart. My desire for you, as your pastor, as your leader, is that you would see financial freedom in your life. And I really want to see the biblical principles. I want us to build as a church upon the the principles of the Word of God so that our lives would be built and that we can be a blessing to those that are around us. And so I wonder whether you'd stand with me today. I would really love to pray a prayer over you and believe for God's blessing and God's favor over your life. And so would you reach out your hands towards God today as a sign of surrender? The sign of us asking God to intervene in our finances. And let's believe for some financial miracles today. Let's believe for God's power to enter our situations and do something supernatural. So Lord Jesus, we pray today as we're doing this series, God, Money and Me, I pray that it would go deep into our hearts, Lord God. I pray what you've started, what you've taught us, Lord, over these first two weeks and what you will speak to us over these next few weeks to come. Lord Jesus, I pray that it would be life transforming. And Lord, I pray for supernatural miracles, Lord God. People that are here today that maybe feel in a desperate situation when it comes to finances. Lord, I pray for your supernatural hand of provision. As we apply the principles of the Word of God, that we would see increase, Lord God. We would see your provision, Lord, that we would be a blessed church so that we could be a blessing towards others. I thank you that we live in this incredible nation and that we are so blessed to live in this community. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we will not take it for granted, that we would understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. And Lord Jesus, I pray that people would break through, that people would see supernatural breakthrough, Lord God, in their finances, in their families, that their homes would truly be strengthened, Lord Jesus, I pray. Strengthen our home. City Church and strengthen the homes of its people, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.